offered me a Mississippi apple. I loved apples. And so he offered me a Mississippi apple. You, you know what a Mississippi apple is, right? It's a pear. He, to get me to eat a pear, he called it a Mississippi apple. And so I, being, being as young as I was, I, I thought he was serious. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll try that. And it turned out I liked it. And then was later found out that I had been duped. Um, wasn't so bad, though. The pear was good. I remember my grandfather having a funny way of dealing with certain things. Um, when I was 10, when I turned 10, I thought 20-year-old would be the mark of manhood. So I told my grandfather, I'm half a man, because half is 20 is 10. He didn't miss a beat. Which half is that? That I'm, I'm still not sure how to answer that question. Uh, I don't remember a whole lot about my grandfather. I remember he had that, that, that crooked smile, that smile that told you he was happy and he was devious at the same time. I remember sitting in his lap in his easy chair. And I only know from pictures just how dirty that chair was, how kind of broken and messed up it was. I didn't care about it then. It was all about the guy sitting in the chair. He pulled me in his lap and sent me down. And I don't know what we talked about. Probably nothing. Probably just stuff that was important to me at the time that he could care less about. But he cared about me, so so he he gave me his attention. He gave me his love. I'm sure sometimes he gave me advice. Maybe he told me uh, not to not to talk too much. Uh, I didn't listen. Maybe he told me things to avoid or things to make sure I did when I got older. I don't know. I, I was too young to remember most of that. There's something about sitting in grandfather's lap in a chair or dad's lap. It doesn't have to be grandfather. It can be dad. There's something about him in his easy chair, you getting in his lap, and just talking to dad. And as a father now, when I get the chance, I'm trying to instill in my children wisdom. I take those chances. I take those opportunities every time they come. When I read the book of Proverbs, that's what I see in my head. I see a picture of an older man getting his son in his lap, saying, now, son, I want to teach you some things. In fact, maybe I'm reading a bit too much into this, but I, I almost think the way he writes this book, the way he compiles these Proverbs together, that this father is inviting us because aren't we, in a sense, the sons? Aren't we the children of God? It's almost as if God, as Father, has taken his children, his princes and princesses, sat us down in his lap and said, I have some things to tell you. We're beginning a series today in the book of Proverbs. And there's no better place to begin than in the beginning. So turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1. We'll look at the first seven verses and we'll ask the question, what is wisdom 
good for. Proverbs chapter 1. Stand with me as we read from God's Word. And this is the Word of God, compiled by wise men throughout the ages. But it is God's Word, and if you let it, it will change your life. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction. To understand words of insight. To receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple. Knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Pray with me. Father, I pray. I pray that we would be among the wise, that we would hear your words and heed them, that they would penetrate through our minds down into the depths of our hearts and souls. God, I pray that these words would not just reside within us, but would change us from the inside out. Not just affecting the things we do, but changing who we are, transforming us into your image. Father, as your sons and as your daughters, as your children, sitting in the lap of the king, I pray that you would impart wisdom to us that we may know you, that we may revere you, that we may live for you, all so that you will receive the honor and the glory that you are due. Father, I pray that these words would change us. In Christ's name, we ask these things. Amen. Y'all be seated. The book of Proverbs is commonly known as a collection of wise sayings, and there's a good reason for that. When you hit chapter 10, verse 1, every verse, just about, sometimes it's two or three verses, but almost every single verse is a different wise saying. In fact, chapter 1, verse 7 is one of those sayings where it gives us a contrast between how to get knowledge and and how a fool despises that knowledge. You'll see all kinds of contrasts. You'll see the contrast between the generous and the greedy. You'll see the contrast between the righteous and the wicked. You'll see the contrast between the wise and the foolish. You'll see the contrast between one who only cares for himself and one who cares for others. You'll see the contrast of someone who is living his life for God and someone who is living his life for himself. All of these contrasts bring into stark reality a picture much like this picture. There's life on one side and death on the other. Do you see the tree? Go back a second to that tree. This is our background for the series. I chose this because of the contrast. One side is life. It's beautiful. The sun's shining. Flowers are growing everywhere. The tree is full of leaves. And on the other side, there is death. It's it's hard to see, but there's wilderness. No sign of life at all. You can almost picture the cold on that side of the screen. You see, we think, we think that there's like this, this kind of middle ground. And oftentimes we try to live in this middle ground where half of it 
is we want to honor God and we want to serve him with our lives. But as long as it doesn't impede what I want to do, right? I want enough of God so that I can feel good about myself, enough of God so that my plans will succeed, enough of God so that everything that I want to do will work out fine, and I'll follow some rules. I'll, I'll go to church every Sunday. I'll do the things that I need to do to make sure that I'm keeping God happy. If you look at false gods and you look at the way people worship, it's always about appeasing the gods, appease the gods, appease the gods. Just do enough to make them happy so they don't strike you down. But that's not the picture of the Christian life. In fact, if you look in the book of Proverbs, you'll see there's not really any middle ground. There's not really a place where you can kind of be foolish and kind of be wise. The two just clash. It's like, it's like trying to be an Alabama and an Auburn. It doesn't work. It just, it just clashes. You can be neither, you can't, you can't make it neither for too long. People start harassing you. But you, you can be neither, but you can't be both. You got to pick a side. And it's the same way with the Christian life. If you are going to be a child of God, you need to be a child of God. And that means everything that you do, everything that you say, everything that you are ought to be growing and developing toward the maturity of being God's child. Looking like him, acting like him, talking like him, everything like him. If you're not moving in that direction, if you're not progressing in that direction, then you're falling away from God. There's no middle ground. There's no standing still. The ground is splitting open, and you got to get on a side. Are you going to be on this side or that side? Are you going to be wise or foolish? Are you going to be generous or greedy? Are you going to be someone who treasures things of God, or are you going to be someone who opposes the things of God? There's no middle ground. And Proverbs draws the sharp distinction between the two. These are two different lifestyles that feed in two different directions. And so as we're looking in this series, I want you to look for that. But I posed a question in the title. What is wisdom good for? One of the traps of wisdom is being wise for wise wisdom's sake. When I was younger, I know y'all don't believe this, but when I was younger, I was a know-it-all. <laughs> Some would argue I still am. Um, I have learned that I don't quite know it all. I'm close, but I'm not quite all the way there. Uh, <laughs> I'm further than I was a few years ago, I promise you that. I have learned that I do not know everything. Unfortunately, I still think I know most everything, but, you know, we're, we're, Carrie's working on that. She's getting there. Um, I used to think that wisdom was for wisdom's sake. You grow smart so that you'll know. Why do you know? So that you'll know, right? It was an end in itself. What I'm learning is that that's not really the case. What I'm learning is it's not just enough just to be wise, even to know how to apply the wisdom to do good things and be successful. That's not really the whole point. So this morning I want to ask the question, what is wisdom good for? What is it actually good for? What good is this wisdom going to do us? Wisdom, if, if wisdom is the end, if being wise is the end, then how come this same author, Solomon, puts in the book of Ecclesiastes that even being wise is a vanity and a chasing after the wind? How can he say that? No, there's got to be something more to it. 
There's got to be something deeper. It's not just about knowing. But knowing leads to something. What does it lead to? What is it good for? Y'all, y'all might remember, because some of you are old enough to remember this time in the 60s, it was rebellion against any form of, of authority. It didn't matter what it was. Uh, whether it's whether it was the government or whether it was your parents or whether it was uh, whatever it might happen to be. Any kind of authority, it was, it was rebellion against authority. And they came out with a song in the days of Vietnam, war, because you got to say who. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. This song, this is very deep intellectual talk here. Um, yeah, this was a generation that was too young to remember a guy named Hitler. This was a generation that was too young to know that sometimes war is what you need to do because people are hurting, people are in trouble, people are dying because of some terrible dictator and the only way to fix the problem is to go to war and defeat the evil wherever it is. But this was a generation that that grew up after that. They didn't know of a Hitler. And so in their mind, all war was just wrong. And I could kind of see the point. There's some times where war is just not good. If you're only going to war just to get more land, if you're only going to war just because you want something that doesn't belong to you, that's not a good thing to go to war for. Because there are times when war is right. Wisdom, I think, is the same way. If you make wisdom an end, it becomes, it falls short. If all it is is just about getting wisdom, there's got to be more to it than that. Wisdom serves a greater purpose. So let's look at what that purpose might be. Proverbs chapter 1. We, we read in verse 1 that these are the Proverbs of Solomon. This is He is now giving a reason for writing the book. He's laying it out. The whole purpose of this book is going to be in these verses. So the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, verse 2. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. Before you can really get to the why of wisdom, you've got to get the wisdom. It's kind of funny, isn't it? To be wise, you have to be wise. You ever notice that? Like to really get it, you have to be wise enough to get it. And when you're wise enough to get it, then you become wiser. How does this even start? Where where do you even jump on the boat? Well, for Solomon, it came in um, back before he built the temple. God comes to Solomon after David dies. He says, what, what should I give you? Now Solomon, Solomon's looking around and he's like, what, what should you give me? What should you give me? Lord, um, well, hmm. Back in 1 Kings chapter 3, listen to Solomon's response. And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and an upright of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. His father just died. He has now become king. And he's recognized that, that God's love for David has extended to the fact that Solomon now sits on the throne. And you have, and now, O oh Lord my God, You have made your servant king in the place of David, my father, although I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. 
And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you've chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude, just as God promised Abraham. Do you see how he's pulling back these promises? Promises to Abraham to make his, to make his descendants more numerous than the sand on the sea, more numerous than the stars in the sky. And it's like he's looking around saying, I can't possibly count all these people. You've given, you've given me charge over all these folks and I'm just a little kid. I don't even know what to do. So this is what he says. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. Who is able to govern this? You're a great people. He says, God, I need wisdom. He was smart enough to be smart enough. He was wise enough to be wise. He recognized that the thing he needed from God was not riches, was not honor, was not glory or fame. The thing that he needed from God was the ability to know how to lead his people. Now, too bad Solomon wasn't always this way. We know that Solomon made some mistakes. And we know that in those mistakes, they drove him away from God. He wasn't always as smart as he should have been. But in this moment, Solomon shows us the way forward. He says, I'm writing these to you so that you'll know wisdom. God has given him a gift. And I bet he has spent much of his kinghood, much of his reign over Israel looking for wisdom. Where can wisdom be found? Maybe he was listening to the ancient wisdom literature of the Egyptians, ones who prided themselves in having wisdom. Maybe he was pulling when the queen of Sheba came to town. Maybe Solomon gets wisdom from her culture to incorporate in, to see what wisdom do others have. Perhaps as he's trading, as he's getting goods from this place to use in the temple, as he's getting those cedars of Lebanon, maybe he's asking the, the Lebanese leadership, what wisdom can you bestow upon me? What wise things do they say in your culture? Looking for wisdom wherever it may be found, whether it was among the handmaidens at the kneading trough or whether it was among the kings of ancient uh, ancient principalities and ancient ancient kingdoms. Where can I find wisdom? And now he's sitting you in his lap. You, you know you're a son of the king. You're a daughter of the king. He's sitting you in his lap and saying, let me show you the wisdom that I have. I'm telling you these things so you'll gain wisdom. So you'll know wisdom and instruction and understand words of insight. I want you to be wise. But why? He starts to answer that in verse 3. Look in verse 3. To receive instruction in wise dealing. Hold up right there. That word is prudence. This is why people often come to the book of Proverbs in our day. They want success. That idea is in this word. If you follow the principles of this book, if you follow the things that I'm telling you, son, daughter, if you do these things, you will see success. Now, does that mean that success is guaranteed? It's like some sort of chant that if you make this chant and you do it the right way and you do it with the right heart, that automatically success is going to come to you. 
No. No. Part of this is going to be knowing how to use it. Knowing when to use it. There's two Proverbs we'll encounter. One says, to not rebuke a fool in his folly. The very next one says, rebuke a fool in his folly. Contradiction? No, it's just sometimes you need to rebuke someone. But other times you don't. The wisdom is knowing when is what time you're dealing with. At what time should you say you're wrong? And at what time should you just say, never mind? There's wisdom in that. I want you not only to know, but I want you to be able to use these things well. I want you to be able to find the right time, the right way to apply this wisdom. So that's the first thing. What is wisdom good for? Wisdom is good for knowing when and where to use it. Wisdom is good for discerning the situation so that you can apply the appropriate truth to that point in time. God is not, you're not going to open the Bible, flip around to a page, and it's going to say, thus George Blackman should X. And therefore the Lord said unto Jim Basil, hire this many employees. One of them shall be named John. He doesn't do that. Why not? You know how long this Bible would be if it told everybody everything they should do? I wouldn't read all that. Is there an index? Where's my name? <laughs> let, me skip to, let me skip to my part. Come on now. Wouldn't, wouldn't we all? Instead, God says, let me give you the principles. Help you know how to use them. I know a cabinet maker. He makes cabinets. But he can also make bookcases. Hardly ever does a bookcase, but he can. Why? Because they're similar. I mean, there's a few things you got to know different. If you make a bookcase the size of a cabinet, it's probably not going to work out very good. See my point? There's enough similarity that you can jump from one thing to another. Wisdom is not just knowing the answer to this question. It's knowing how the answer comes about so that when you face the next question that's completely different, you can see the similarity and apply the truth the way it needs to be applied. That's the first thing wisdom is good for. Second thing, receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness. I'm convinced that the author of Proverbs, that Solomon is not just trying to get these things together so we'll know. I think he's trying to get these things together so we'll do. It's not just in knowing how to apply the wisdom, but so that we'll actually live that way. I've, I've been tracing Proverbs, and what I've been doing is um, in my Bible software, I can make a list of verses. And so I've got, I don't know, maybe like 18 different lists of verses. And I'm taking a proverb and I'm putting it into a list that it applies to. One of them is justice and injustice. One of them is righteousness and wickedness. One of them is generosity and greed. One of them is peace and strife. I'm taking these general categories and I'm, and I'm categorizing the proverbs as I should go. Where I am in the journey right now, 
I have already found that there are more Proverbs that talk about righteousness than wisdom. It may surprise you to know the author of Proverbs is not just interested in you knowing, but is interested in how you apply it. You living according to God's ways. Wisdom not only helps you to know how to, how to do something at the right time in the right way. Wisdom helps you actually put it into practice and be a better servant of God. It takes you from knowing through doing into being. Not only righteousness, justice. You know, that's just an application of righteousness, isn't it? The idea here, we think justice, we think of the people's court. Okay, maybe not. Judge Judy. We think of a courtroom scenario. We have a judge. In fact, we call our, our Supreme Court members justices. Right? We think of justice in a court sense. Step back a second into ancient Israel. In ancient culture in general, there's no separation of, of judges from bureaucrats from legislators. They don't have the division that we have in modern government. It's all in one. It's all in one thing. The same government that, that can, can create the law, that can make the law valid, can also interpret the law. All together, all, all that, that one king can do all three scenarios. Think of justice holistically. Justice isn't just making the right decision in a court of law. It's about making the right decision, period. It's about doing things the right way. It's about, it's about making sure that the way that you enact your authority doesn't undermine what you're trying to accomplish doesn't go against the people of, over whom you have authority. I think of justice. Justice is the ability to treat others right. It's a relational kind of thing. Wisdom helps us deal with others. Wisdom helps us to be sure that we're doing it the right way. Not just that we're, we're handling people, but that we're handling people in a way that honors God. That last word, equity, that also plays into people, doesn't it? This idea that, we, we say it kind of this way, that all men are equal before the law. But it's more than just that. It's a recognition that people have value. Boy, we need this. We live in a society where people only have value if certain people give them value. If a woman wants a baby, it's a baby. If a woman doesn't want a baby, it's a fetus. There's other things too. Do you, do, you, do you just say no more illegal immigrants? No more immigrants at all? 
Do you say, well, let's let all the asylum seekers in and give them all citizenship? Is there not a way to let people in that should come in and keep people out that should stay out? Is there not a way to do both? To care for those who need help, but also to, to apply laws? Is there not a way to bridge that gap? You see, equity isn't just about everybody getting the same result. Equity is about making sure that we're not oppressing someone. Equity is about making sure that we are doing the right thing for people. And so these two together, justice and equity, really speak to the same thing. It's how we deal with other issues. Those are things that wisdom do. There's one more in verse 4. He says, to give prudence to the simple. You know, some people are just ignorant. And I don't say that in a mean way. Some people are ignorant because they don't know. That's ignorant. It just means you don't know. I'll give you an example. If I ask James how to divide, he knows. If I ask Brentley how to divide, he doesn't even know what I'm talking about. He's ignorant. Is that a bad thing? No, he's four. If he knew how to divide, then I might, I might have my work cut out for me. Some people just don't know. They're too young to know. They've never encountered it before. Um, I was talking to someone today that said they can do anything in downtown Birmingham you want them to do, but you put them in downtown Montgomery, they're lost. They can't figure it out. They don't know. They're ignorant. It doesn't mean a bad thing. Just some people just don't know. Wisdom helps you know. And the problem is some people stay ignorant even when they should know. That's when we call them foolish. To give the prudence to the simple. To help those who don't know to know. And discretion to the youth. I've, um, I've said before, and I've heard it said before, and I think it's true that youth have so much enthusiasm, but man, are they lacking in direction. If you could just take the enthusiasm and direct it in a particular way, you're, you're good as gold. Man, that, that's it. You ever see youth that have a good direction? Man, they're amazing. Absolutely incredible. You ever see a youth that didn't have direction? You want to you give them a direction, don't you? You want Sometimes it's straight to jail. <laughs> Sometimes you just want to give them direction with a swift kick. You, know, you need to go this way. <laughs> but the fact is, that's what you think. They need direction. They need a way to focus all of that passion, all of that resourcefulness, all of that imagination and creativity. They need a way to direct that towards something worthwhile. And if you give them something worthwhile and you help them know how to work for that, man... You can't stop youth. They're incredible. Maybe that's why revivals tend to start with youth. Go back in history to great revivals. Almost all of them start between the ages of 13 and 23. You don't find revivals among six-year-olds. You don't find them starting. You don't find them starting with 86-year-olds either. 
Find them starting with you. Because when when passion meets direction, now we now we're getting somewhere. Wisdom will do that. Wisdom will take those passions, those desires, those those longings of your heart, and give it away to express itself down a straight path directly into God's will. If you've ever wondered, what does God even want with me? Wisdom can help you give that answer. Let the wise hear, he says, verse 5, and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. There's many different ways that these proverbs will teach us. There's many different ways that these proverbs will express the truth to us. So let us hear. Let us hear what they have to say. And then in verse 7, he gives us the big picture. Everything about this book is is, is composted down. It's boiled down. All of the excess is, is, is gone. And you have this concentrate of truth that the rest of this book will expound. The rest of this book will look at many different angles and give many different pictures and images and many different ways of all expressing around this one truth. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. If you want to know how to get wisdom, it starts with fearing God. But what's interesting is that it doesn't just start with fearing God, it ends with fearing God too. If you want wisdom, you start by fearing God, but the more wisdom you get, the more you realize that the only application, the only thing that wisdom is really good for in the very end is for fearing God, for you relating with God. And if you will relate with God in the right way, if you will apply the wisdom to your life, you will have a communion with the maker of the universe that is not possible in folly that is not possible in selfishness, that is not possible in greed or anger or strife or any sort of living that puts you first. If you are going to be wise, you will live in communion with God because God is the author of wisdom and he's the only source. You can't get it just from reading wise sayings. True wisdom only comes from knowing. And that, I believe, is what wisdom is good for. Getting us to the Father. I'm going to pray for you. And then we'll have a verse of invitation and I'm going to invite you to come join on this road to wisdom. Maybe some of you do not know Christ. You can kind of be smart, but Let's face it, it's more smart aleck than anything else. It's more wise God than wise man. If you really want to be wise, it starts with Him. It ends with Him. It's all about Him. I would love to pray with you to help you know how to give your life to Christ. If that's where you are this morning, I'd love to help you do that. If not, maybe you're already a Christian and you know, God's been talking to you and you know that 
you need a place to plug in with other believers. I, I can't think of a better one. I really can't. This is the place to be. Got a charming pastor? Maybe, sometimes. Loving people. God's doing great work among us. And we'd love for you to be a part of that. That's what God's calling you to do. I'll be up here at the front. You can come talk to me and I'll help you through that process. Maybe you just need some encouragement where you are. God's been dealing with you. Maybe you've been trying to follow him and, and you just feel like like Solomon did. God, how can I do this? I need your help. I need wisdom from you. The altar is going to be open if you want to come pray. Whatever it is that God's doing, you be wise enough to follow him. And we'll sing this song together. First, let's pray. Father, this is your time, I pray. And in your wisdom, you would lead us. God, don't just make us wise. Make us wise enough to love you. Let wisdom lead us to you. In Jesus' name.